From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. If you're a state treasurer, life has been pretty good for you over the last year or two. Thanks in part to inflation and a crazy real estate boom, stronger revenue from taxes has been pouring in along with federal aid. But if you've been following the news lately, you'd know that the housing market is cooling and recession warning signals are only getting louder as the Federal Reserve continues to hike its interest rates. That means there will be a lot more budget tightening and uncertainty for policymakers in the year ahead. Which states are prepared for this fiscal shift and which aren't? To talk about that, we rank up a man who strikes fear into the hearts of every state treasurer, Eric Kim, head of the state ratings agency at Fitch Ratings. Fitch, of course, determines how creditworthy businesses and other big entities are and how much it costs for them to borrow. Kim spoke to Bloomberg tax reporter Donna Borak about the challenges states are going to face in balancing their budgets in light of tougher economic headwinds than a year ago. And make no mistake, it will be challenging. Well, the economy's in a bit of a strange place, I think. Uh, we've got high inflation, right? It's leading the Fed to really ratchet up interest rates, trying to cool down ec- economic activity and bring that inflation rate down. But the labor markets uh, so far remain fairly strong. We're, we're still seeing job growth on a monthly level that's actually a bit above what we had before the pandemic. And consumer spending, which is basically 70% of GDP, is actually still growing. So right now, it's a mixed picture. Uh, you know, Fitch Ratings does a quarterly economic outlook, and our most recent take from September is that the U.S. economy continues growing for the rest of the year, averaging about 1.7% for the year and into early 2023. But we do expect that by the second quarter of next year, that uh, the lagged effects of the Fed's interest rate hikes are going to be enough to tip the U.S. economy into a, a mild recession. Right. So... How are you seeing all these macroeconomic pressures weighing on the states themselves and their respective budget planning kind of going into the next fiscal year? Well, none of this is really surprising to states. I, I think that they've pretty much recognized that the growth that they've seen just in the economy and also in their tax revenues over the past few years or so is it's not going to continue at that pace, right? So states have generally been budgeting on a relatively conservative basis, making plans for, for the fact that revenue growth is going to slow. When we looked at state budgets for for states, which were generally states operate on a fiscal year that starts July 1. So most state budgets were anticipating a slowdown in revenue growth, some even actually anticipating an outright decline because they expected that, that the economy would begin to cool over the next year, which is prudent. Um, so we've seen states build up reserves over the past few years, really to historically high levels, um, and, and pay down a lot of the liabilities that have been built up, even from the last recession, actually, the, the Great Recession back in 08, 09. So they've made a lot of progress and have, in our view, really positioned themselves pretty well for what we think is, is going to be a moderate downturn coming up in the next year or so. Do you think there are some states that are probably better prepared than others? And why might that be the case? I mean, there's a great deal of variance, right? Just from a tax structure wise across the country, it seems like some might be better prepared than others. Sure. I mean, we, we do have a range of ratings. The, the average rating for a state from Fitch is uh, between AAA and AA plus, two highest ratings that we have in our rating scale. Um, and most states are in that area, but we certainly have states that are on the lower end. The AAA states are obviously the ones that are best positioned in our view. They, they, they have the most resilience in terms of whether it's a combination of reserves, 
uh, ability to balance their budgets through different tools and mechanisms that they have in place, those states are going to be the best position to deal with downturns. But even the AA plus, AA straight states, we think are still fairly strong in their ability to manage through. Um, we have a handful of states that are in lower rating categories. Illinois is the obvious one that jumps out. Uh, they're rated triple B plus. That's the lowest rated state by Fitch. And we think that of all the U.S. states that we rate, they are the least well positioned. But even for Illinois, they've made some pretty significant strides over the past few years coming out of the pandemic, You know, using a lot of the revenue growth that they've had for what we think are pretty prudent uses to build up reserves, pay down some old liabilities. So um, even Illinois is better positioned than it was uh, coming out of the, the pandemic. So we're already starting to see some weakness in, in the monthly tax revenue data. Uh, states like New York, Wisconsin, California, Kansas are among those that have at least seen a 5% decline or greater in state tax revenue between July and August of 2022 compared to the same period last year. It seems like we may be at a tipping point um, or perhaps a worrying trend for states. Do you see this persisting? So I think it's a, it's there's an important caveat to be made with those numbers, right? Those are inflation adjusted. So um, on a nominal basis, right, in terms of the actual dollars that states are collecting, we're still seeing pretty steady growth across nearly all the states. California is the only state, actually, um, that when, when you look at the revenues in this past quarter that ended in September that that are seeing that's seeing a year over year decline, every other state is still seeing on a nominal basis increases. Um, and while, of course, it's important to consider the effects of inflation, I think the nominal numbers are important because those the actual cash dollars th- that go into the states, um, budgets are built on a nominal basis, right? States aren't adjusting their spending on each quarter or each month on, on an inflation basis. So when they build their budgets at this before the start of each fiscal year, they build the budgets to a certain level and they expect revenues to come in at a certain level. And as of now, state revenues are, are still exceeding those budgeted levels. So yes, inflation is certainly part of that story and that's part of what's driving it. Um, but that's an important caveat um, to put when it, when it comes to looking at inflation-adjusted tax revenue growth. That said, uh, there's definitely um, somewhat of a trend of growth slowing relative to what we, we saw in the fiscal year that just ended, right? We had incredible revenue surges across the states in fiscal 2022. Again, that ended on June 30th for most states. Um, and the pace is definitely coming down from that in most places. Uh, but there's still growth on, on a nominal basis. And that's ultimately what matters in, in, the, in the right now for states. So how does that the inflation story translate to wage growth. Um, I, I feel like we're seeing the impact of, of inflation there with growth and withholding, you know, weakening substantially in, in recent months. I mean, if you're a state that permanently cut income taxes last year, are you starting to get worried at this point? Well, yes, the the, the wage growth is certainly in a past pass through, right? And when, when, look, when you look at inflation and, and what effect that's going to have, we're seeing uh, wage growth numbers, when you look at the monthly employment report, uh, be very, very strong. And that's one of the things the Fed is looking at as well. I'm trying to avoid that wage price spiral, if you will. Um, and we're seeing that actually on the income tax side as well. Again, if you look at nominal dollars, 
the withholding numbers are increasing for most states across the board. California, I mentioned earlier, that's the only place where we're seeing a decline there um, in, in the first quarter of the fiscal year, the one that from June, from July through September. They're down about 4%, but pretty much every other state that we've looked at has been seeing pretty steady gains on the withholding side for individual income tax. Um, you know, a lot of the, the tax relief plans, the tax cut plans that states enacted, particularly over the past year, um, many of those are phased in. So some some of those states are seeing the rate cuts passing through now. Some of them won't see that even start until January 1 of next year or, or even the year after. So it's a little too early to to see the direct effects in most places of those income tax policy changes filtering through. What about for those states that have more volatile revenue streams? And, and I'm thinking about capital gains. I mean, how... A, what does it look like um, for those states? And I'm thinking New York, California, New Jersey. And are they in a position to insulate that that risk? Right. Yeah, th- you mentioned some of the states right there that have the most exposure to uh, capital markets volatility when it comes to having a, a sizable portion of tax revenues coming in from non-withholding income tax revenues, right? So California, New York, New Jersey, uh, Massachusetts is another state, uh, Virginia. Um, all those states have exposure um, what a lot of those states have done um, over the past few years uh, coming out of the Great Recession and even before that is try to do exactly what you said, try to insulate themselves to some extent. Um, there's going to be volatility. That's, that's almost inevitable for these places in terms of their revenue streams. So what they do is, one, they, they, they try to build up reserves to account for that, just general budgetary reserves. And many states have done that. We're seeing state reserve levels, rainy day fund balances at historically high levels right now, even higher than they were coming into the pandemic or certainly coming into the Great Recession a number of years ago. So that's one tool states have. The other thing a number of states do is actually specifically look at those non-withholding revenues and cap the effect that they have on their their budgeted revenue outlook. So uh, they'll, they'll look, for example, at historical portions of tax revenues that come from withholding and say that whatever withholding revenue they're forecasting, they can only budget a certain amount of it. And any excess essentially will go to other uses, whether it's reserves or some other one-time use, so that they're not building in uh, prior years or projected rosy forecast into their budget. So that way, when things go south, um, as it seems like they are likely to do if, if the capital market situation continues declining, um, states aren't quite as exposed as they otherwise would be. So um, those states that are most exposed to capital markets volatility have taken some actions to, to mitigate that, but there's going to be some volatility. It's it's inevitable. That's just the nature of some of those tax structures. So many of the states um, at the end of the fiscal year, as you mentioned in June, you know, rushed to provide taxpayer relief, either through more generous child tax credits, tax holidays for gas and back to school supplies. You know, are we at that point or, or getting closer to where states that may have, you know, implemented some of these either temporary or permanent tax cuts, perhaps wishing that they had waited? Well, I think it's important to think about these types of cuts uh, differently depending on what they were and, and how they're being enacted, right? From our view, the, the rebates, the one-time gas holidays, things like that, uh, those are not that significant in terms of the effect on a state's overall financial picture, because in most cases, 
tax rebates or gas tax holidays are being funded from the enormous revenue surpluses that states saw in fiscal 21 and fiscal 2022. Again, that ended June 30 for, for most states. So that's just being paid out of revenue that they did not expect. Um, so it's accounted for. It's not going to have a long-term effect on, on state budgets. So those one-time items, those non-recurring items. Um, the other type of tax cuts were obviously the, the more permanent ones, the rate cuts primarily on the income tax side, whether it's individual or corporate or even both in some cases. Um, some movement on the sales tax side, but mostly we're, we're, we saw changes on the income tax side. And in total, we saw about 30 states actually take some type of tax policy action in 2022. It's during regular legislative sessions and even some states called special sessions just specifically to uh, address tax policy proposals. Um, so we're, we're looking at those, we're examining those, and we see a lot of differences even within those permanent changes. Um, one thing that's a number of states did is include guardrails or revenue triggers within those tax cuts. And what that means is they're often phased in over multiple years. Uh, so you don't have the entire brunt of a rate cut coming in a single year, but you phase it in. And each year, in order to kind of implement the next phase, different triggers have to be hit. Either revenue growth has to have reached a certain level in the prior year or be projected to reach a certain level in the next year. Reserves have to be at a certain level. Um, you know, One state, Kentucky, for example, has a trigger that requires that the state will have funded its pensions on an actuarial basis uh, for the prior year in order to implement the next round of cuts. So um, these are cuts that, that are being implemented for the most part in what we think is a is a pretty prudent way, um, in a measured way. Some of the numbers are large um, when you add them all up at once, but it's important to remember that a lot of these are being phased in over multiple years. So I think in, in most cases, these cuts, while uh, they, they can be significant over time, states are building in a lot of time and, and measures and guardrails to allow themselves to manage their budgets accordingly. That was Eric Kim, head of the state ratings team at Fitch, speaking with Bloomberg Taxes, Donna Borak. And that's it for today's podcast. You can find up-to-the-minute news and the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz, with help from Meg Shreve. Rachel Daigle is our editor. Our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. An individual's race should not be used to help him or harm him in his life's endeavors. A pair of lawsuits has made its way to the Supreme Court, and the decision could dramatically change just who gets into which college. Bloom is effectively using the Asian community as pawns. Every lawsuit needs a villain. To mask an anti-Black and anti-Latino agenda. Does this demoralize me? No, it doesn't demoralize me. This season on Uncommon Law, we'll explore the arguments and the people driving this latest battle over affirmative action. Can the Constitution be used to remedy society's ills? I'm the only person in class who has to raise my hand and say, okay, well, actually, here's how this affects people that look like me. Does the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause prohibit all discrimination based on race? You let somebody in because of their race, you're keeping somebody else out because of their race. There might have been two or three Latinos including me. And so somehow that's too much. Somehow that goes too far. It's hard not to take that very personally. Coming October 25th, part one of a three-part series on affirmative action. What's being decided 
is whether black and brown people are going to be excluded in significant numbers. Only on Uncommon Law from Bloomberg Industry Group.